While the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know where for. We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. Okay, I... Okay, we're good. Um, I, I want to take a minute. Would you join me in giving a round of applause for Gabe for sharing his story? Man. Okay, we love you so much. And I think we might have bamboozled you into doing that video, but I'm so grateful you did. So, um, hey, this morning, we're going to continue and actually wrap up our Win in Romans series. And... Um, you know, as I was thinking about it this week, I had an incident with my son. He has really gotten into basketball. And as you can see from my makeup, I am a perfect physical specimen for such activities as basketball. I'm not. Um, and, and we played basketball, and he said to me, he goes, Mom, you're a cheater. And I was like, excuse me? Um, to which he replied, yeah, yeah, cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. And I was like, whose kid are you? Um, but my boys have this week come to this conclusion that when I play games with them, particularly basketball, I, I'm a cheater. Let me assure you, I am not a cheater. I am a rule follower. I always have been. My mom is in the room. She can confirm that. Um, I've never cheated on a test. Nothing. Not a cheater. But what my kids don't understand is that sometimes when I play basketball with them, I, I feel the need for like a do-over, like a redo shot. Have you ever felt that way? You're like in a game and you're like, oh, no, no, can I draw the next card? You know, like you want to do something over because you hope if you could get just one more chance, you could do it differently and set yourself up in a different way. Yeah, but my kids call that cheating. What they, they don't understand, though, that feeling yet, I realized. They don't understand what it feels like to reach a point in a game or maybe even in life where you feel the need or the desire for a do-over. One day they will. One day, I know, they will be playing basketball, hopefully with their kiddos, my grandkids, and they will also have one kid grabbing their ankle and another kid holding back their good arm and trying to make a shot and despite their best efforts at not landing and they will, they will have the urge to grab the ball again and reshoot. And then I will be justified. That will be 20 years from now, hopefully longer. I have reflected on that feeling a lot this week because I've reflected on the desire of my, myself to want to do things over, to feel that twinge of, you know, if I would have done this, maybe then that. Or maybe if I just got a chance for another shot, I could have taken it in a different way and, and then it would have worked out differently, you know? And a part of that stems from doing the sermon series of Romans. I have loved this series, but every time I go back to reread it each week, I'm like, oh gosh, I should have said that. So like, yes, Paul talks about that, but I forgot to mention this. And, you know, I think through week one, how we talked about Paul elaborates on this beautiful um, unifying statement around 
hey, you guys are a church divided, but what you forget is your common humanity. What you forget is that you all have the same common problem, is that you're human and you're broken and you all need grace. But here's the good news. You can all rejoice in the fact that that common problem has a common cure in Jesus. And no matter who you are and whatever background you're from and no matter what you've done, Jesus offers that grace to you just the same. I'm like, oh, Paul, that's so good. You know, Apostle Paul, that was, that was great. And I want, wanted to re-preach that all over again because it's so powerful. And I thought about how in week two, we talked about this idea that unity is often sometimes misinformed or misrepresented as uniformity. And how Paul saw that in the early Roman church, that they often thought unity was dependent on them all having the same practices. And how Paul says, no, 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 no. No, in the core of your faith, in the core of your beliefs, unity and agreement is required. You know, the core, such as Jesus Christ being our savior and the one who offers us grace, our core being that we acknowledge that there is a God three in one. Uh, the core being that God has bound us together in community and that's one of the ways in which we know God and, and that the scripture is inspired by the spirit, though written by humans that we could experience and know God. The, those are the core four, if you will. But then Paul says, outside of that, any other practices that you use to increase your faith and that encourage you and your journey to each their own. You can have your practices as a Jewish believer over here, he says to the Romans, and you Gentile believers, you don't have to take on these customs. And he says, in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, but in all things, love. He says, that's the driving force of the church in overcoming this division. And then last week, we looked at this idea that he brings up, that Paul talks so much throughout Romans. And I wish we could have got into this more. He talks so much about how God is for us. That's where we as a church get that theme and have picked up that banner and that rally cry that God is for us. But for God to be for us in such a radical way as God is, it must be there, that there is something for which God is equally against. But if God is not against us, what is God against? And so we looked at God is against anything that dehumanizes the ones in which he created to live out a flourishing life that what God gets angry about is when you and I not only dehumanize one another, but when we begin to dehumanize ourselves and not see the person God's created us to be and so we live less than flourishing life. See, I can't even tell you what we talked about the last three weeks without trying to preach it all over again because I wanna do over. Romans is so good. Let me just give you a fair warning. You will hear from me again on Romans, okay? We're gonna wrap it up today, but we're gonna bring it back someday. But what also gets me thinking about this idea of a do-over is it's exactly how I imagine the Apostle Paul ended up feeling after writing the book of Romans. See, Paul, the Apostle Paul didn't just set out to write the book of Romans just to address doctrine 
it wasn't his, necessarily his theological, theological treatise for the world, though some of us have picked it up as such. It wasn't just a, a letter about unity, though it served that purpose and, and he speaks so much to it. No, Paul had another purpose for writing Romans. His intention for writing this book and sending it to the Romans church was that he would unify this body of people so that he could launch a missionary journey into Spain. That was the whole goal of him writing Romans. But if you read throughout history, look back at how Paul's ministry ended up, what you learn is that Paul never made it to Spain. Is that Paul never achieved the dream for which he initially set out in the very first place when he wrote Romans. He never made it. And maybe this is just my imagination, but I have to wonder when Paul did actually make it to Rome because he got there, but he found himself there in chains. He found himself there imprisoned for the gospel in which he preached and he never was released, was never able to make it beyond. He was so close and yet so far away. I wonder if he sat in a prison cell, I wonder if he thought as he heard a verdict read against him, if he thought he failed. And I wonder if he sat there and wished, could I get a do over? Could I start again? Could we try again? Let me take another shot at that. This isn't how this is supposed to end. And have you ever felt that way in your life? You've reached a place in your life that you didn't anticipate being in. Something didn't end the way you wanted it to. They were supposed to be the one. Or they were supposed to be the one forever. And then it didn't work out. Or that job, that career transition, that move, you were so sure that was where God was leading you and then it didn't end up where you needed or wanted it to be and you felt flabbergasted and lost and disoriented and wondering, wait a minute, what just happened? And could I, could I get another shot? Chances are we have all been there in any number of ways. And if you haven't quite felt that punch to the gut, you will and I will again in our lives as part of this journey, part of, part of just living and being here now. The gift of loving is that we often sometimes lose as well. And I bet like you have sometimes been in those positions and wondered, God, could I, just, could I just try again, please? Could I just redo? Paul felt the same way. And I would venture to guess that he even looked at himself in the mirror and thought, am I a failure? God, did I miss something? But if you were sitting across from Paul, if you had the very pleasure of going to get coffee with Paul today, and Paul shared these thoughts with you and said, Joy, what did I do wrong? Joy, why didn't that work out? I just, 
do you know what every single one of us would answer Paul if he sat across from us and said, hey, did I, did I fail? We would say, no, absolutely not. We would give him an emphatic no. We would say, Paul, don't you even say that again. We would say, Paul, are you, have you lost your mind? Do you understand what the book of Romans has done throughout history? We, would, we wouldn't let Paul say another word. We would say, Paul, stop right there. Stop. We know you want to go over in your mind again and again. If I would have done that differently, maybe it would have turned out this way. Don't do it. We would tell Paul, don't mind what the people are saying around you. Don't even go there. It, no, because we have the advantage of sitting on the other side of history. And we have seen for centuries how this book, how this letter, how the words that he gave to them in that space and time and have been passed on to us for nearly 2,000 years, how they have shaped the entire world and Christendom as we know it. In fact, there may only be a Christendom as we know it today because of Paul's work in Romans. You and I, we are actually sitting in this room today because Paul wrote Romans. I, I don't know if, if you're newer to Uptown Church, you may not know this, but we, we're a United Methodist Church plant. So a United Methodist Church planted us about three, almost three years ago. And the United Methodist Church and denomination and movement began a couple centuries ago with a man named John Wesley. And John Wesley was an Anglican priest. He grew up in the church. Like many of us, he, he knew something about God. He was not foreign to Christianity or God. But it was one night when he was reading the words of Paul Romans, that for the first time ever, he felt the spirit within him. He felt that assurance of grace and knowing that God had truly saved him, even a wretch like him. Even though he had been in church his whole life, he read Romans and it transformed him. And the Methodist movement from that point began and we're here because of it. So yeah, we would look at Paul and say, no, 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 no. Did you fail, Paul? No, not at all. But Paul didn't have the opportunity to see all this come to fruition. And in our lives, we don't always get the benefit of sitting on the other side of our histories. We don't always get the benefit of walking out how all of the seeds that are born today will come to fruition, and if they will, so what do we do? I think we take a cue from Romans, from Paul, and realize that one, it's worthwhile even when we don't know how it's going to end up. Even when we don't know what will happen, we trust what God has done. I, I came across this week a, a beautiful commentary from a man named N.T. Wright, and he's a minister in England and one of the foremost theologians on the book of Romans. And he says this, 
He says, maybe one of the very most important lessons of the book of Romans is this, that God allowed Paul to dream of Spain in order that he might write Romans. That God allowed Paul to dream of something, to dream of Spain in order that on the way there, whether or not, if he got there or not, he would write this book and it would change history. He goes on to say this, no matter that Paul never reached Spain, what mattered was that he wrote this letter, which has been far more powerful and influential than any missionary visit could have ever been. Perhaps half of our great plans, the dreams we dream for our churches, our world, and even ourselves, maybe they are dreams God allows us to dream in order that on the way there, we may accomplish the very thing God actually intends for us to do. Powerful, powerful words for Paul, powerful words for us to take into our lives and into the spaces and moments when we're not sure what to do next and when things don't turn out the way we'd hope. And today those words are especially poignant for me and for our community as I, as I have to share some really difficult news with you. And that is that in following conversation with myself and a handful of other uptown church leaders, the Highland Park United Methodist Church Executive Committee, which is a, a body of lay leaders that is charged with the oversight of our ministries and campuses, this, this body, in conversation with our teams, made the difficult decision to close Uptown Church. And that decision was not made lightly, but it's hard nonetheless. I, I'm saddened, deeply saddened and heartbroken by this news. As I imagine, you are probably beginning to feel um, it is newer news to me, so I, I am still processing, and I know I, it's probably somewhat of a shock for you hearing it now. But in making this decision, what was clearly realized in conversation was that, unfortunately, our, our campus has just not um, seen the growth in worship attendance or financial support to continue sustaining the model of ministry that we first set out to build and carry us into the future. And despite a lot of work to then sit at that table with all of these smart people and committed people and people wanting to see this work, to have the conversations as to, well, how can we rework it? What could be next? What could we do? became abundantly clear to this body that there didn't seem to be another path forward for Uptown. That was highlighted uh, most acutely in our search for another meeting location. And some of y'all know that we have been in search, that we had only ever talked about being in this space for three years, which we are finishing up here soon. 
and in the search for another space to meet and realizing not only is there limited supply, but with such limited funds to sustain anything, they're just became, we were in a rock and a hard place and it became almost impossible to see a path forward clearly that didn't end here. And it's hard. Planting churches is, maybe you know this, and maybe Uptown is your first church plant experience, but planting new congregations and churches is incredibly complex. In fact, in the best conditions with everything going right, only eight, um, or only two out of 10 survive. And friends, as you know, we, we started this not in the best of conditions. Launching at the height of a pandemic, and multiple headwinds that we could not have foreseen or planned for, let alone this just being a new type of model in ministry than HPUMC had ever done, than many of us had ever participated in. We were all kind of building the plane as we were flying it. But we believed that the risk was worth it because the vision and dream was so good that if we could make it and if we could do it, all the risk would be worth it. And, and by golly, we, we got a plane up and flying for a time. And I see that as evidence by us who are sitting in this room today. Many of us for the first time in a long time or maybe first time ever are in a church of space we never thought we would be in again or ever. Many of us, for the first time in a long time, or maybe for the first time ever, realize that God isn't against us, but that God is for us. Maybe for the first time, we realize what it could look like to embrace an expansive view of God's grace and love and the beauty of what it means to live into that. But despite so much good happening, there just have been hurdles and hills that we have not been able to overcome. And so we're here. And I have decided that we're going to close our doors on November 12th. Uh, that will be our final worship service. So we have a few more weeks of worship together. And my hope is over the next few weeks and this next month together, that what we can do is spend time celebrating what God has done. Because I think the greatest tragedy of a hard situation and a difficult decision would be if we just walked away and forgot. What if we came together over the next four weeks and celebrated and gave thanks for everything God's done in us in this time? that God met us in a season in our lives when we needed it, and if God met us then, God will meet us now. That God launched us into new spaces and places in our lives, and because of it, we'll never be the same. And that doesn't get lost when the framework of this gets taken away. So I would ask that over the next four weeks, if you could, that you would continue to worship right here, 10 a.m., still here in the House of Blues with us. Celebrate what God's done in your life and everyone's life. But I'd also like the chance to, to end well together. 
We don't often end well. Sometimes we just walk away from things. What would it look like as the people of faith who have a framework for understanding grief amid the backdrop of hope? What could it look like for us to lean on one another, grieve well together, and end well? Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit uptownchurchdallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.